We are keeping democracy alive. Check for pulse. Stand clear. Push to shock. So yes, there's a huge gap between public opinion and public policy. That people don't feel that they can do very much. You know what this is? This is a very Hamiltonian system. Alexander Hamilton being the guy here in a very un-Jeffersonian. In the case of the Republicans, it's dramatically the opposite. Uh, But even in the case of the Democrats. An absolute typhoon of terror against African Americans in the South. America's fascists are those people who think that Wall Street comes first and the American people come second. What we've seen is a financial sector that's uh, gotten out of hand. The shooting, the violence, that is not the drug problem. That is, in fact, the drug policy problem. I speak tonight for the dignity of man. The power of big banks and their alliance with policymakers doesn't just currently control politics here in the United States. It's probably even more powerful in the nations in Europe's southern regions. And the damage there has been severe. Austerity has crippled economies of the many while keeping interest payments flowing, guess where, to the very top. And the political right is only too happy to aid the creditors over the interests of the debtors. We've seen rebellion against that power in Greece, and now the resistant left is on the rise in two nations of the Iberian Peninsula. Of course, that's Spain and Portugal. There have been gains by the left, but all is far from settled. In fact, the word volatile seems to be the adjective of choice, as our guest today writes. What does this situation mean for Portugal and Spain? and all of Europe, and why should we in the U.S. care about it? How might it affect our politics and our economy? Our guest today is Con Hellinen, a columnist for Foreign Policy in Focus, has written two recent articles about the new political shifts in Portugal and Spain. And Foreign Policy in Focus is a think tank without walls, and he is an independent journalist. Con Hellinen, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks them for up. having me. And uh, both Spain and Portugal have experienced a lot of right-wing government for a long period of time. And those governments work hand-in-glove with the big financial interests, of course. In a recent election, the right-wing Forward Portugal Party lost the election. Was that a surprise, and, and how did that happen? What, what led to its defeat? I wasn't surprised that they lost the election. I, I think some of the surprise uh, was that there, there are basically four parties uh, uh, in, in Portugal. There's the, the, the Forward Portugal, which is a combination of two right-wing uh, parties. And uh, and then there's the the socialist party, socialist workers party, it's called, and and then um, there's a, 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 an alliance of the communists and the greens, and then there's something called the left block, and left block had always mm, gotten five six percent, etc., like that. Well, they they took a big jump up to about thirteen percent, and and they were the kind of big winners in the in the vote. I think one thing people should understand is that. The crisis in in Iberian Peninsula, in Portugal and, and Spain, or 
per, uh, pretty much for the same reasons. What you had was um, uh, countries which had uh, that were in pretty good shape uh, uh, financially, and in, in fact were running but budget surpluses, really? and had a certain amount of debt, but a, a mild debt, very a debt you could easily deal with. Mm-hmm. But then, when the American um, banks and finance uh, uh, institutions collapsed in in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, the rate for borrowing money went way high, and these uh, uh, these countries didn't have um, a, an economy big enough or the reserves necessary to, to continue to borrow money. And every you know every country borrows money. You have to yes, borrow of money. Course. Um, you never you, you you never just spend what you have. You borrow money and you you do it at low interest rates and you pay some back. Well, the interest rates got so high they couldn't borrow money, and therefore both countries were on the edge of uh, a bankruptcy. And the major thing that happened in both countries was that the 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 crisis was caused by financial speculators, hmm. um, banks mainly French banks, German banks. Uh, American banks to a certain extent, British uh, banks, Italian banks, uh, and uh, both countries made a pledge that they would make up the the losses from the bursting of a real estate bubble uh, in Spain and Portugal. And, uh, so essentially, what happens is is that you had speculators who who knew they were creating an unstable situation. Uh, Land prices in in Spain rose five hundred percent, and so you had this this you know kind of a, a big casino uh, economy going on, and it, it collapsed. I mean, it's a bubble, and that's what bubbles do; they pop. Sure. Only in this case, what happened is is that uh, there was a pledge to pay back the speculators. They didn't have any money to pay back the speculators, so they had to go to what they call the Troika. Yes. And the Troika is the International Monetary Fund, the European Central Bank, and the European Commission, which is the executive organization of the 28-member European Union. And they borrowed the money, uh, the bailout, uh, but the bailout didn't go to either the Portuguese or the, or the Spanish. No. It went directly to the banks. In order to repay back those loans, both countries had were enforced to, and they were told, instructed they couldn't get the money unless they did it. Um, just tremendous austerity policy. Yeah. Uh, the unemployment rate in Spain was uh, about 28% nationally, mm. and over 50% uh, for people under 35, mm. um, over 50% in most of the countries south, pretty much the same kinds of figures. Uh, in Portugal, there were enormous cutbacks in education and health and um, uh, social services, um, and and you really have widespread poverty, uh, homelessness. Uh, lots and lots of people lost their homes. So uh, this is a situation that's been going on since the loan, which was in 2010. Uh, and uh, what you have is, in both cases in Spain and, and Portugal, you actually had center-left governments in at the time, the socialist parties. And mm-hmm. socialist parties went along with these austerity measures. Uh, and the result, of course, is that the people got very angry at the socialists, with very good reason, I think. Yeah. Uh, these policies don't work. They don't really lift economies 
out of the doldrums. We watched this in Latin America during the uh, late 1980s and 1990s when they applied the same kind of formula mm. Uh, mm. To, uh, to Latin America, and it was a complete disaster. I mean, every single economy in Latin America crashed. And, and they came back when they, when they got rid of the, of the austerity and started doing you know, pump priming and, and essentially Keynesian economics, where you mm-hmm. stimulate the economy sure. and get money into the uh, 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 pockets of, of right. uh, citizens who then spend it, and that raises the economy, etc. So what happened was that in, in both Spain and Portugal, uh, people were very angry at the socialists, and they voted them out of power. And they they voted in these this, these right wing governments who said they would solve the uh, the economic crisis. Well, they haven't really solved the economic crisis. And Portugal and Spain's economies are growing, but they're still no, nowhere near what they were before two thousand and eight. And the the growth is very uneven. Mm. Uh, Spain's example: Spain grew something like three point five percent. This year, and the projected to grow about 2.7 percent next year, but there still is a national unemployment rate of around 27 percent, mm. uh, and again, much higher among youth and and oh, um, sure. uh, and in rural areas. The so, so, what you really have here is people have had now almost five years of austerity, and they're fed up. Yeah. They, they've just they've just had it. Um, and how did not making a difference? That is the the growth here is kind of like paper growth. I mean, it's mm. really smoke and mirrors. <laughs> well, how did so? If I got this right, I just wanted to make sure there was that financial meltdown that we experienced here in the United States. We started it. <laughs> well, and that's what I wanted to follow up on. So. Do I have it right that the banks that we, the people of the United States, bailed out, your welcome banks, uh, you know, they used our tax dollars. So then they, these same banks, these same lending institutions relating with the powerful Troika in Europe, uh, raised interest rates at that at that point? Is that what they did? And, well, and, what they did was it was the cost of borrowing money. So right. It isn't just interest rates. It's like, you know, it's what like our Fed does. Right, right now, the Fed is is uh, is thinking of, well, right. they're thinking, they're actually announcing that they're going to do it. They're going to raise interest rates. They're yeah. going to let the interest rates rise. And the idea is if you keep low interest rates, yeah. then money is cheap. Yes. So you can afford, I mean, think about it yourself. You know, you want to borrow ten thousand dollars, and 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 the interest rate is eight percent. You're going to think, mm, yeah. not a good idea. No. Borrow ten thousand dollars at eight percent interest. You know, that's God. by the time I pay this back, I'm going to really be out a lot of money. But if the interest rate is like point five percent or one percent, uh, yeah, you can handle that. Right. And and so what happened is when these banks collapsed, when these, and it wasn't just banks because they were also you know hedge funds and and uh, financial institutions. Mm-hmm. When they collapsed, the effect of that and the effect of pouring this bailout money into the economy was that the cost of borrowing money rose, and that it rose worldwide. Yeah. It wasn't just uh, it wasn't just uh, you know in, in Europe or the United States. It really rose worldwide, and uh, and you had small economies like Portugal and right. Greece right. Uh, that when they got in trouble, although. Greece and Portugal are very different because 
Portugal was much it was a much healthier economy than Greece was. When those economies got in trouble because they couldn't borrow money, uh, then they were stuck. They were they suddenly were on the edge of bankruptcy. Yeah. Uh, in in the case of Spain, uh, the thing about Spain is that that Spain is a is not like Portugal in in and Greece in many ways because it's a very big economy. It's the fifth largest economy in the in the European uh, really? Union, and yeah. it's mm. I believe the fourteenth or fifteenth largest economy uh, in the world. Wow. So uh, it is it, it it can generate a lot more wealth than than Portugal and um, and uh, Greece can, and also. In the case of Spain, uh, the Troika has been uh, more forgiving, let us say, uh, because it, because Spain is such an important part uh -huh. um, of the European Union. However, the the election which is coming up, it, 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 it what you see is something very similar to what happened uh, in Portugal. That is, you're going to have the a right wing party that's been in power. Uh, and the party that's in power, the popular party, this is uh, Spain. Really, uh, the holdover from Franco's uh -huh. uh, organization. And the, the party was started by several uh, ministers in the old Franco cabinet, mm. uh, and and he was, as you know, the dictator, the military dictator that uh, yeah. died in 1973, but the, who won the civil war there. Yeah. It, it, what what's happened is is that. Both Spain and Portugal have been dominated by just two parties, the mm -hmm. right-wing party and the socialists. Mm -hmm. Those two parties kind of go back and forth, uh, taking, uh, you know, election, one will win it one year, you know, four years later, the other will replace it, and sort of back and forth. And there's very uh -huh. little room for, for any uh, uh, kind of uh, independent parties. And as a result, the fact that they have dominated the, the scene so long uh, there's an enormous amount of corruption because there's no real oversight, and both parties um, are sort of up to their necks uh, in corruption. The the, the right wing popular party more so than the socialists, but the socialists have real problems uh, as well. Now, what you've got suddenly is this kind of atomization. Um, the two party system no longer exists in Portugal. Mm. You have a, a three party coalition of the center left. Uh, and, uh, and and the old right wing party, uh, it, the coalition, the two right wing parties have made up uh, uh, forward Portugal are are out of power. I think you're going to see something very similar in Spain. That is, I think you'll see the current ruling party, People's Party, uh, which is the Popular Party. The Popular and, Party. And uh, they got 44 percent uh, in the last election, and they have an absolute majority in the. Um, uh, Spanish Parliament. I think what you're going to see is they're going to drop down to I don't know maybe 27, 28 percent, something like that. They'll still get the most votes of any single party, but the other three parties are pretty much running neck and neck, and all of them are running over 15 percent. So oh, you're going to have this a similar kind of thing where you have you no longer you, the two party system is essentially dead in Spain as it is in Portugal. Um, and now you're going to have to talk about uh, coalition governments uh, or minority governments. The difference, there is a difference people should know between Portugal and Spain in this sense. One of the four parties in Spain is called the Citizens Party. 
it's a center-right party. So in, in Portugal, you had a, a right-wing party, a center-left party, a left party, and a left party. So the center-left and the two left parties got together to form a government. Makes That's sense. going to be trickier in Spain. Uh, the Citizens Party uh, is a, um, a center-right party. They, their policies do not differ very greatly from the ruling right-wing parties, uh, the, the popular parties' policies, except that they're focused on uh, anti-corruption. Now, would they go into uh, a coalition with the right? They might. Um, they're a little worried about doing that because they watch what happened when the Liberal Party in Britain went into a coalition with the uh, with the Conservatives, the next time there was an election, the Liberal Party essentially got wiped out. Right. So they're a little wary about about doing that. And and Spain, being a complex country, uh, there's a, this constant boiling pot of independence for Catalonia. Right. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that. How that factors into yeah, it? Yeah. Well, it's it's you know, Catalonia is the richest province. In uh, in Spain, it 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 makes up about fifteen percent of the uh, of the of the country's population, but twenty two percent of its gross domestic product. I mean, it, this is where you have a lot of industry, you have a lot of trade. You, it's a very dynamic, economically dynamic section of Spain, by far the most uh, dynamic. And uh, a lot of Catalan, uh, a lot of Catalonians have never accepted the rule of Madrid. I don't know if people mm-hmm. remember their history. Catalonia used to be an independent um, uh, country. It was conquered by a combined French and Spanish army um, in the 1714 uh, War of the Spanish Succession. And a lot of uh, Catalonians have never come to terms uh, hmm. with the rule of by Madrid. Madrid. And of course, Catalonia was the center of the resistance in the Spanish Civil War. Yes. yes. Uh, and so there's this underlying resentment that's been going on for a long time. And then it's coupled with the fact that, you know, there are people in, in Catalonia who, who say, you know, why are we paying the bills for, you know, the rest sure. of Spain? Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we want our own, we have our own language, we have our own culture, you know, uh, we want our we want our own country, and and we were never a natural part of Spain. This is really complex. Um, they had a uh, a uh, an election in May, right. uh, and, and a referendum right. on the on uh, independence on the, um, uh, whether Catalonia should be independent. Right, and the pro independence people. And they themselves, the pro-independence people, are split between two major parties. One is a mm-hmm. left party, the other is a center-right party. Um, mm-hmm. They got 47.7% of the vote. Wow. And they overwhelmingly control the local, regional, Catalonian uh, parliament. Now, the the... The, the people who are fighting for autonomy or a, a separation, they say it's great victory. Uh, Madrid says it wasn't 50%, so it's not right. a great victory. You don't even have a majority right. uh, in, in uh, Catalonia. The parties, the 
Podemos, which right. is the, ask the about that, yeah. party that came out of the 2011 demonstrations against austerity, and and Occupy Washington was uh, or Wall Street was right. a direct, uh, uh, you know, copy, essentially of the these massive rallies in all of the major cities in uh, Spain to resist. Uh, Austerity. What came out of that was Podemos. So it's very much a grassroots uh, party, very different than Syriza was in Greece. Syriza actually means unified party of the left. That's what the the, the letters stand for. But Podemos is 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 a real grassroots party. Uh, and <clears throat> doesn't it mean something like always been opposed to? autonomy, or not so much autonomy, but independence hmm. for Catalonia. But their position is, is that that's up to the Catalans. That that's a decision that uh, they have to make. It should be, sure. um, but they're opposed to it because they don't want to lose the money. To see yeah. Spain lose its major economic engine. Sure. So they didn't do very well uh, in, in the election in, uh, in uh, Catalonia. Uh, you know, it's very hard to say what's going to happen in this election. Um, m- most of the major cities now in uh, in Spain, uh, Barcelona, Madrid, uh, Zaragoza, um, uh, Cadiz, a uh, couple of other ones, I mean, major cities, these are, are dominated. Mayor Podemos-backed mayors uh, run these towns now. Mm-hmm. You know, what effect that's going to have on the election? It, it's really hard to say. Um, everybody's expecting Podemos to do badly. Oh, really? I'm not so convinced. Interesting. Uh, well, I, I think that, and even if they do as badly as people are suggesting, they're still going to elect something like 50 uh, representatives to the, uh, to the parliament. And how many people are in the parliament altogether? Uh, 350. That's a substantial uh, amount. It is it's c- a substantial amount. Yeah, it is. And if you, and if you add up what the um, what the socialists uh, would get um, it wouldn't make up a majority, but it would be a very very big block, and that's why the citizen party is kind of the kingmaker here. If they decided to go with the left block, then they could form a coalition and run the government. They if they go with um, uh, with with the right, uh, the then the, the right and the and the Citizens Party could run the government, or what you would have, you would have a minority government run by the right that would always be on the verge of, um, you know, being voted out. See, what happened in Portugal was, was very interesting, because the president of Portugal, because it's a parliamentary system, has the power to ask a particular party to form a government. So even though the the right wing in Portugal um, lost huge numbers of votes and only ended up with the largest number of votes, but only um, 38, 38, 38% of the population, while upon the three left uh, parties got 62% oh. of the vote. Mm. But the, the conservative president, um, uh-huh. who used to be a leader of the of the right-wing party in, in Portugal, asked the Portuguese right to form um, a, uh, a government. Well, 
that lasted one week. Mm. Uh, when they went into the parliament and they proposed their um, their budget, uh, the three parties voted it down, and that collapsed the government. And then the president had to turn around and and ask the left coalition to form a government. So I think the same thing could happen in Spain. Again, though, the difference being is I don't know what the Citizens Party is going to do. Very hard to pin down. Um, I'm sure. Word that, word that comes, whenever I, I read their stuff, I, they're slippery. They're very coy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, if you just tuned into Keeping Democracy Live, uh, you know, Bert Cohen here, our guest is uh, Con Helen, and we're talking about the Iberian Peninsula, Spain, and Portugal. And if you think politics is uh, wild here, it's as you're describing it, my goodness, it's uh, having more parties, I think, is a good thing. And I wonder, you know, just to, to bring it back home a little bit, it. If tell me if I'm wrong, that the Socialist Party is kind of an institutional party, somewhat. I mean, it's somewhat like the Democratic Party here, I would think, and the yes. and the right is like you know the far right calling itself the Republican Party now, uh, but maybe not. I don't know if they're as far right as the uh, uh, as the far right in America right now with the you know racist xenophobia that's going on, but uh, has actually uh, speaking of racism and xenophobia. A lot of what we hear about uh, uh, politics in in Northern Europe these days has to do with the refugee crisis. Yeah, uh, the the economies of of Germany in particular that's where most of them seem to want to go, where where there's a lot of jobs. Is does this factor in at all? I mean, the economy is not so good there. There's high unemployment there. Are are uh, refugees going there? Is that is there xenophobia and racism and the whole you know ISIS thing? Is that a factor at all there? In, in terms of um, Spain and Portugal, uh, it, it's not that much of a problem because there are not a large number uh, of refugees that come through. I mean, if you think of the, you know, just take a look at the, the physical situation, it's harder to get to Spain and Portugal. Oh, true. Um, <laughs> they, they do have some uh, immigrants that come across from Gibraltar, uh, um, mainly Morocco. out of North Africa sure. and uh, Central Africa but not large numbers of people, so that the refugee question is sort of not front and center uh, in, in Portugal and, uh, and Spain. It, in fact, one of the things that the, uh, the Spanish left is doing is I, I told you that, they, that the Podemos-backed uh, candidates won for the, the moralities in the, in the major cities. Um, and what this, uh, they're doing is that uh, Podemos has got a project to uh, reclaim uh, deserted um, housing uh, or mm. substandard housing, bring them up to code, fix them all up, and bring Syrian refugees in. Uh, and they're, you know, the, the Spanish, it hasn't be- become a major part of the, uh, of the campaign. The the right-wing popular party is pretty anti-immigrant, it's, and so is the mm-hmm. Citizens Party. Mm-hmm. The, 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 one I, you know, the thing about the Citizens Party is they're anti-immigrant and they're anti-abortion. Uh-huh. And they kind of, they sort of have free market sort of mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's... But it hasn't been a major thing there, but it is. It, it is, you know, in, in the rest of Europe, um, and particularly, by the way, in Eastern Europe. 
Well, it's the uh, strength of uh, religion. I mean, I know Spain is certainly a Catholic country. I, I don't know if Portugal is. And, and, you know, it is. Yeah, that's, that's been a powerful factor. In fact, yeah. that was a factor during the Spanish Civil War, 36 to 39. Exactly. Exactly. And in, and in, in the case of, of both the Spanish and the Portuguese Catholic Church, they very much threw themselves into alliance in, in, in Spain. It was with Francisco Franco. Yes. Um, uh, in uh, 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 Portugal, it was with the Salazar regime. And so a lot of people, even though 95% of the people, or something like that, in both countries are Catholic, um, most of them don't have a very high opinion of the Church and, and see the Church as basically uh, the ruling class, uh, they right. you know they don't they don't go to church. They don't give a lot of money, uh, although they consider themselves uh, Catholic. Mm-hmm. So you know what effect? I don't think the immigrant issue will have a, a major effect uh, on this. I think the thing that will have the most effect on this is the position of the uh, popular party in in Spain is that the economy is is growing. Mm-hmm. Um, stay the course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and and the position of the of the other parties are, um, particularly the the Socialist Workers Party and the and Podemos, is you know we still have an official unemployment rate of twenty seven percent. It's the highest outside of Greece. Uh, you've had this uh, enormous growth uh, uh, in wealth disparity uh, uh, over the past four years. Uh, and you've got a situation where uh, huge numbers of young people have left uh, the country in both Portugal and in Spain. In Portugal, which only has a population of 12 million, um, over half a million young people have, have emigrated. Wow. And, you know, if you think about what that means demographically down the line, it means that there's the, the people who, who emigrated, people have the money. Yeah. So they're mainly educated. And the people who are going to contribute and to the economy, yeah. vacuum of educated young people for oh. the next generation. That that does not have a good Are young people on your economy? Well, yeah, that's huge. I mean, 500,000 out of 12 million, that is that is huge. And these people are the most productive in the economy, at least potentially. Exactly. Are they trending toward Podemos, or are they young people in particular? I mean, here, you know, young people are... People t- t- the, the young people tend to vote left, and, and that certainly is true of Podemos. I mean, if you take a look at their rallies, their, their leadership, um, uh, right. they're was... all in their 20s and 30s. Wow. Um, and and, and that's, a, that's a demographic um, fact in, in a lot of ways. I mean, it, what's interesting is, is in the case of uh, Catalonia, 47.7% of the people voted for, for breaking away, right. and so 50.3% did. But if you look at the uh, demographics, people over 55 voted overwhelmingly to remain in Spain. Mm. People 35 and under voted overwhelmingly to uh, to have an independent uh, Catalonia. Now, the, you know, 10 years from now, the, the demographics are, are going to make the, 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 you know, the out Catalonia vote uh, a, a majority. Yeah. It, what happens to young people 
in Spain is that many of them have emigrated also. Where do they go? Well, I think Britain, Germany, mm -hmm. uh, the United States, mm -hmm. Brazil, oh, right. uh, Australia. Yeah, I guess. Well, and, and that's... It, I mean, young people, that's such an important factor. And the fact that they tend to go left, that seems to be happening here in the uh, United States as, as well. And you talk about in, in Portugal, uh, the, there's your article in Foreign Policy and Focus talks about the, the new government's Plan A and Plan B. That's very interesting. I wonder if you could describe them and, you know, it might be yeah, some well, applicability. It's, it, it, the European left, um, as you would imagine, you know, it's a, it, it, it has lots of different currents and lots of different um, uh, programs and positions and all that kind of thing. But uh, the central program, and it was a couple of years ago, the, um, the, the, the European United Left got together, and then that includes Syriza and Podemos and uh, Der, Der Link in, in um, uh, Germany. There are all these uh, parties. Some of them are very small. Some of them are pretty significant. Got together and they, and they decided, okay, we need to have a common program. And the common program that they came up with is what they call Plan A. And uh, at its heart was that Europeans are losing the right to make decisions about things which are critical in their lives. In other words, wow. uh, the, the, the vice president of the European Union, who's a, uh, a, uh, a Finnish uh, uh, politician, after the Syriza won the vote in Greece, said, in Europe, we don't pay attention to elections. Yeah. And so, you say, well, you know, so why did we get elected? You know, because you can pick the color that you take park benches, I guess, you know. In other words, the European Union says you can't make policies about your economy that we don't agree with, that the Troika doesn't agree with. And when Greece tried to do that, they just said, we will crush your economy, and they can do it. Um, so what, what the left decided is, one, there had to be a return to democracy. In other words, the Elections have to be able to produce political forces that can have an influence or change the economy or the strategies for the economies. And, you know, what most people would say is, look, austerity doesn't work. We're going to try something different. We're going to try and stimulate the economy. We're not going to make people poorer, we're going to try and put money in their pocket, they'll spend that money, and that is the engine yep. for, for growth and, yes. and, uh, and returning the economy to health. Instead, you know, they're caught in these debt spirals. You know, they, they, sure. they, they put austerity in, they raise taxes, they cut wages, they uh, raise fees, and everything, and people have less money. So they spend less. Well, the economy goes down. Well, then you can do more austerity. And so it's this downward debt spiral. And a lot of the left are saying, you know, look, this is the wrong way to do it. I think that Maynard Keynes had the, had the right approach in terms of capitalism. You know, if we, we stimulate the economy, if, we, if the government, fi you know, steps in and finances things and subsidizes things, except it would get the economy rolling again. And that was sort of plan A. 
However, there is a section of the left that are, are just not convinced that you can reform uh, the, the European Union, or for that matter, even capitalism. I mean, it's sort of like trying to teach pigs to whistle, you know, can't be done and annoys the pigs. So what they're proposing is that they examine getting a breaking up uh, the the European, not so much the European Union as as what they call the Eurozone. And what a lot of people don't understand is there are 28 members of the European Union, but not all of them use the Euro. There are seven countries uh, in that in 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 the European Union who use their own money. Mm-hmm. Uh, the British continue to use yes. the pound, for instance. Yeah. Um, the Swedes continue to use their, their money. The problem with having a common currency is that it means that each country can't manipulate its currency in order to get itself out of debt. Ah. Everybody does that. The United States oh, does absolutely. that. China does that. You got to. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a standard financial practice. You know, what you do is that you lower the value of your money, and then you're repaying your debts with cheaper money. Sure. And that's that's been... That's a good call. That's been a device that's been around ever since capitalism was created. Mm -hmm. What the European um, zone says is that the euro is... The value of the euro is determined by the German banks, by the European Central Bank, which is dominated by Germany. So, what you you can't manipulate the currency in your if you're if you're say Portugal or or Italy or Greece, or, Greece yeah. or Spain, and it means that you that's been taken that power has been taken away from you. Wow. In a situation where you have unequal economic development. In other words, where you have Germany, which is a big, powerful, industrial exporter, mm-hmm. and Portugal, which is a poor rural country. Um, and a lot of Spain is poor and rural. Mm-hmm. Some of it is industrial. Uh, where you have Greece, which is, you know, generally poor and, and rural. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't keep up with the likes of Germany and Britain or the Netherlands, or or even Sweden. Uh, And what happens is that this unevenness eventually means that you get yourself in trouble debt-wise, only you don't have any levers to get yourself out, because all of those levers are controlled by the Troika. Right. And, And Plan B says that's what we have to look at. We have to, we have to see. And made a firm set yet, but basically they're saying the European Union should not exist, or the European zone should not exist, and they have different positions on on that. There's no unified, uh, uh, you know, program here. But they're questioning uh, the the whole basis uh, that the of Plan A, which is. If we end austerity and we institute democracy, then we can get economies that essentially will be much more just um, and much better for our people. 
their plan B is saying, hmm, not sure that's going to happen. We need to think bigger. Now, neither, neither plan A or plan B are, are seen as counter to one another. Oh, um, mm-hmm. What happened was, and I'll give you an example of what it is in the real world. Um, when Syriza won the, the last election, they uh, resisted what the Troika was going to do. They said, we, want right. to, we want to end the austerity. We, you know, we want to... That's how they got elected. Yeah, the standing up to them. We want to cut taxes on consumers and all this kind of stuff. And the European Union says, no, you can't do that, because right. if you do that, we'll just smash your banks up and destroy your economy, and you won't be able to import medicine, and uh, you will be, you know, you won't even be a third world country. You'll be like the middle Paleolithic. <laughs> so, Syriza so backed away from that. A group of delegates who were part of Syriza in the parliament broke loose from Syriza, yeah. created their own party, ran in the, na- uh, the last election, didn't get enough votes to get into the parliament. That group that broke, they form one of the core pieces of Plan B. So they have a more radical um, approach to uh, how it is that you know, they think this situation should be dealt with. Frankly, I, I think what you've got to do is to keep your eyes on, on both plans, because mm. I've always been very suspicious of, of common currencies. Think about common sure. currency. Oh, yeah. If you have a common currency like you have in the United States, it works. And when the dollar's worth the same all over the country, and California, which has the eighth largest economy in the world, okay, California ends up paying bills for Mississippi and Georgia and Louisiana. And New York does the same. Again, big, powerful economic engine. I don't think there's anything matter with that. Mm. Um, you know, to me, if someone doesn't have a lot of money, um, you know, they're, they're part of your country, help them out. And, and the advantage that you get from that is that you have a, a big common market. Everybody, you know, can exchange money, a dollar's worth a dollar in Georgia, it's worth a dollar in California, it's worth a dollar, you know, in Texas. It'll go a little further in Georgia than it will in California, but nevertheless, that, that's the kind of common sure. currency that we're talking about. What they've done in, with the euro is that you have a common currency, but you don't have, there's no political format that that exists within. So you have a common country, but every country's on its own. Wow. So if a country gets in trouble, it can't call on other countries uh-huh. to come help them. And you don't have a currency that will do that. So it, it just doesn't work. I mean, uh, the, the common currency can work, but only in a situation where you have common political goals and, and common political structures. That was never done in Europe. So, you know, maybe, maybe Plan B people are, uh, are right on that question. Uh, I think at this point what the left needs to do in Europe is that when they get into power, the way they are in Greece and, um, and uh, Portugal, mm-hmm. is that they have to produce relief for people. They have That's to make so hard to do, though. And under the... They can do that without 
without turning over the apple cart. If they can make people's lives a little easier, then I think people start saying, well, look, the left is going to make my life easier. They're not, as, they're not corrupt. Right. Um, they're straightforward. And things are a little easier. We'll, you know, we'll vote for them. And, and that way you entrench uh, mm-hmm. a, a left force that can begin to then turn around sure. and challenge the central principles of the European, uh, the European Union. Mm. See, that's the big. That's why Fre- uh, Spain is so important. The European Union can dismiss Portugal and and, and uh, it won't be Greece bothered because their economies are so small. Uh-huh. Like this little tiny. I think it's it's like one percent. So it's Portugal and Greece percent of the gross domestic product of. Of the European Union, yeah, the big powers don't care. But you know, Spain is five percent, hmm. um, and that's different. So, if you be, if you have the left having playing a significant role in Ireland, and those elections will be in, in April twentieth in Ireland, in Portugal, in Spain, in Greece, and Italy, right. But then you see, I think what you're you're doing is you you're beginning to form a block here, mm-hmm. which has which you know doesn't match Germany uh, or or France or or or, or Britain, right. um, but it can have a lot greater impact on on those policies, and and I think move move these countries away from this adherence. To austerity, it, you know, it's almost like it's a religion. The way uh, hmm. the European Union and the Troika talk about uh, debt, you know, they say, you know, debt is a result of sin. <laughs> no, it's really not. Oh my! Uh, you know, and you have to suffer, right, oh my. in order to in order to atone for your sins. That's wow. religion. We're talking about economics. That's just not a good formula for economics. Wow! And so we're looking at the you know entire. European economy, really. I mean, is, is obviously it's complex, but what seems less than complex, pretty clear, is that there is the Troika, which has a tremendous amount of power, and uh, there's. it sounds like it's a bit uh, tyrannical there, and a lot of people want democracy, economic democracy, and that seems to be happening especially in, you know, the, the southern uh, parts of, uh, of Europe. And even you know, even within the the countries themselves, and and I mean that's I say the the thing that the left has had the most success with, and I and for for real reasons because I think it's important is hitting on this democracy issue. I mean I think that applies for Americans too. You know, yeah, really. we we take um, our our government, um, you know, does things. Uh, in terms uh, of of our, ec- our our economy, and very rarely do people have a direct input for sure into that. You know, we have a certain tax policy, and uh, and and we have uh, you know interest rates and all that kind of stuff. And you know, so the average person is confused by those things. Yeah, um, you know, doesn't know exactly what they mean. You know, like the, the, the Republicans say, we tax too much. Um, well, really, what they're saying is that they don't want. They don't believe in funding things like highway repairs, health care, education, Schools, housing, yeah. uh, environmental protection, 
um, you know, all of that stuff. They don't, they don't, you know, they, they are free market people. I think mm-hmm. the market will deal with those things. We shouldn't have, we shouldn't be spending money on those things. The only thing we should really spend money on is the military and the police. Right. And, and that's it. And the thing is, it gets couched in these terms of, well, you know, we're going to cut taxes. You know, the average person looks at their tax bill and they think, yeah, gee, I pay a lot in taxes. Well, we don't. We're one of the lowest paying tax people right. in, the, in, in the developed world. I think, in fact, I do believe we are, as far as a country goes, a uh, first-layer country. We pay the lowest taxes. But what happens, of course, is, is that people continue to get taxed. What they really mean is they cut taxes to corporations. Right, of course. Uh, and, and, and then you have this situation where you, we don't really have a control over how to approach economic crisis. Yes. Uh, and the Obama administration has tried to, to stimulate the economy. A little. Did it much much too slow. Yeah, much too much slow. Too little. Yeah, no question. Um, about. And but but it it as a result, the uh, the American economy is not in bad in, in that bad right. shape. It's much better than any of the European economies. And one thing I wonder about is, you know, there is what's similar is the power of the big banks over the past thirty or so years. It, the big banks have gotten they, they've uh, concentrated. There are fewer and fewer of them. We the people bail them out. They have tremendous political and governmental power. One difference I'm sensing, tell me if this is right, Khan, that we in the United States have accepted our powerlessness. We, you know, the lack of democracy over our economy, people just accept that. My sense is in Europe, they don't accept powerlessness quite so much. They think that they can actually make a difference. Is that uh, correct, do you think? I would agree, I would agree with that. I think that that's quite accurate. And I think one of the reasons for that is that, um, you know, we have this two-party system in the United States. And I'm, and I'm not saying that there isn't a difference between the two parties, because there is. Of course there is, yeah. Um, but. Uh, but we do have a two-party system, and both of the, those parties are fully committed to capitalism. I mean, they, they, you know, one tinkers in one direction, the other tinkers in the other direction, but, I mean, it's still a commitment. In Europe, you have a, a much more diverse political fabric so that you have parties uh, that, that are big parties, are significant parties, um, that get elected to parliaments and who challenge a lot of a very fundamental uh, uh, thinking about the nature of capitalism how it functions, you know, et cetera. I mean, a perfect example of this is, you know, after the Second World War, uh, the United States and, and Britain and France and were terribly worried about what was going to happen in Europe because the most effective uh, resistance movements uh, in, in the West were run by the Communist parties, right. Italy and France and and Belgium and in uh, and, uh, and the Netherlands and uh, uh, you know Greece, etc. And they were worried that the communists were going to take power. And in a couple of places, they came pretty close to. Mm-hmm. So what they did is they bought in the Marshall Plan, and the Marshall Plan essentially was the application of Keynesian economics Absolutely. and social democracy. Yep. I mean that's where all of those countries got uh, you know national health, um, and it was. Because they were running scared, and so these 
social democratic parties uh, came in and, and basically produced social democracy, and it was very effective. Well, now, you know, they're not worried about communism taking over because, it, it, uh, <clears throat> you know, the Soviet Union don't no longer exists. It's Russia now. Right. And uh, they're sort of reverting to form. The difference, I think, is that in Europe, you do have a much richer uh, spectrum yeah. of political organizations and ideas. I mean, if you, if you, Spain is a perfect example. I mean, think of this. Here's a right-wing party, a center-right party, a center-left party, and a left party, and they all are running just about the same. That's, it sounds all, all, all getting at least fifteen percent of the vote. Yeah, yeah. It's now, a good thing. You know that doesn't that doesn't happen in, in no. the United States. No, it'd be nice to have more options like oh, that. Of course it would be. Yeah, of course it would be. And, and you'd have to do something about the winner take all kind of thing. Oh, that, oh that's for a bit sure. Of a problem. Oh, that is a huge problem. I should do a show on that sometime. It's it's a yeah. huge huge problem. If you just tuned in, Bert Cohen here. Keeping Democracy Alive, our guest is Con Hellinen of the Foreign Policy and Focus. And we're talking about uh, Spain and Portugal and what it means for the rest of Europe and for uh, Western capitalism and democracy, or lack thereof, in general. Now, clearly, the Eurozone has not been particularly democratic. It seems like that you know a lot of this left trend that's happening, as we say, in Portugal and Spain, that the push to democratize the eurozone uh, may be quite real. Is it possible? Do you think? I mean, I guess that's a big well, question. I, you know, I do think it's possible because because it's failing, uh, and you know, it's really coming apart. You're really getting now the kind of growing anger uh, at the policies of the European Central Bank. Um, and the International Monetary Fund. In fact, it's interesting. Even the International Monetary Fund has been, for the last year, it's been saying, you know, austerity is not the answer. Um, you know, you, you, if, you, you're, if you, you put too much austerity in, you know, you kill your economy. You, know, you have to begin to take a different approach. So even yeah. the, the dreaded Troika, um, one of the members of the dreaded troika, the International Monetary Fund, and, and they're the biggest, they're the big dog on the park. Oh, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're big, uh, they're as big as the World Bank. Uh, and they're beginning to say, well, you know, uh, we have to think about this austerity stuff. I think what is going to, uh, kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say tip, it's not a tipping point, but maybe it's getting close to a tipping point, is that the European Union Everyone acted in concert to smash the Greeks. No one is acting in concert on immigration. In other words, it's every country for itself. Ah, so that and makes... everybody's married at Germany because they're going to take a million refugees, and Germany is split inside, and um, you know the uh, and the countries in Eastern Europe, etc., like that. You know, they're saying we won't we won't take any Syrians. You know, we won't take anybody. Yeah. Uh, and I think what's happened is is that politically the idea was that the European Union would act as a body. Well, they're not acting as a body. And if they fall apart on immigration, then it's also more likely um, that they're not going to go along uh, with the austerity policies. And the way the EU works is you really have to have unanimous 
uh, oh, wow. uh, consent. Uh, you know, in order to get a policy in. And the thing that was just, you know, I think Cyrese had some illusions here, but yeah. you know, I, I can understand oh, sure. why they Absolutely. did it. Yeah. They thought they'd get help from the their Socialist Party brethren. Uh. You know, if, for instance, in Germany with Social Democrats and, and in France with the Socialists. Well, they didn't. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And uh, and so that's why the 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 European Union could sort of squash Syria. <laughs> well, I'm reminded of a... A little harder now. Yeah, I'm reminded of a, of a quote from my old friend Abby Hoffman who said, the relationship between the left and the right is perfect. The right is sadistic, the left is masochistic. We just don't go along. We don't. <laughs> Abby was good. He was good. Oh, we miss him. Well, fascinating discussion here uh, for the future of Europe for, and for the future of democracy in Europe. If people are interested in catching up more of your uh, work, your writings, to what website can you point them? Well, uh, I'm 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 regularly on uh, foreign policy and Proca, so it's uh, uh, fpif dot uh, uh, org. Um, it, uh, my name, I'm the only Con Hallinan on the Internet, period. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and that's C-O-double-N, and then H-A-L-L-I-N-A-N. If you put that into your search engine with quote marks on it, it'll take you to my blog. And the, my blog is called Dispatches from the Edge. Uh, or you could put dispatches from the edge, and it'll take you there. And then what I have there is I have, I, I have something like 370 columns, because I've been doing this for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're all broken up by area, you know, Europe, Africa, oh, Asia, um, uh, Latin America, um, etc. And uh, I- any particular area that you're, you're interested in, then you can uh, you take a look at what I've written, and they're all dated, so you can see oh, you know, what, what's in things. Yeah. I, I'm, re- I'm working what I've, I've just uh, finished, the one you talked about, which was on the Spanish elections, and I'm going to do a short column after the elections. Which is December They'll happen on the 20th, right. so I'll do a report on that. But what I'm working on now is uh, every year I, I have a file in which I collect um, bizarre things. <laughs> <laughs> and then I give awards. Oh, fun. Well, um, and so every year I, I hand out the, uh, uh, the Bo Peep Award, the... Uh, uh, Frankenstein Award, the oh uh, Golden Lemon Award. Um, well, we'll talk to you again. We got to run. Thank you. Very informative. Okay. Thank you so much, right. Con Helena. Con Galán y con Modesto, con el comandante Carlos, no hay miliciano con miedo. Venga, Galeo, Galeo, suena una metralladora y Franco. Se va paseo y Franco se va paseo.